Rick Hunt, kind enough to join us, the executive vice president and general manager of the Sox. Rick, thank you for taking time. We were at your game yesterday. We sit down in these amazing seats, and I look out, and I'm like, oh, my God. They got Dylan Cease throwing 100. He looked really good. McCann, Abreu, Garcia, Anderson, Moncada, Jimenez, Robert, and we'll get to him in a minute, and Daniel Palka, and then Nicky Delmonico, I think, was at the DH. Holy smokes, you got to feel so good looking out and seeing how much talent you've been able to assemble. You know what, there is, there is a lot of excitement, and, and the nice thing is is you look at a lineup like the one that was there yesterday, and you're right, there's a lot of guys who are sort of core pieces to be excited about, but due to a couple of you know, small injuries like Grandal's calf and Encarnacion's uh, back briefly, we actually haven't fielded our full opening day lineup just yet, so you can get excited by seeing like Nicky Madrigal out there, or Andrew Vaughn, or even the way you know guys like Luis Gonzalez or Blake Rutherford swung the bat this spring, and and see that not only are we getting to the point where we are putting out a quality lineup on a nightly basis, but there's still additional depths and and quality pieces that are are maturing and and going to become part of this over the next several years. So we had these amazing seats, and we're sitting first row, and we've got Rick Renteria literally two feet to our left. We have one of your coaches sitting by, by the backstop. Literally, I could poke him through the backstop. And I'm looking at Luis Robert, who is five feet from me. He looks like he could play inside linebacker or Mm -hmm. rush defensive end for the Chicago Bears. Rick, I have not seen a team that looks as physically imposing as yours does in a long time. What was it like the first time you evaluated Luis Robert before you gave him a lot of money? You know, the funny thing is, is there's this uh, fear, or at least there used to be this concern that general managers would fall into this trap of being attracted to players that reminded them of themselves when they were young. Obviously, <laughs> looking at the, this, the specimens walking around here, you realize that we've managed to avoid that pitfall at, at White Sox yes, camp. Because these are uh, these are some beasts, and I certainly don't qualify as that. But the first time, uh, you know, it was funny. You asked about Luis Robert and sort of the first time we, we laid eyes on him. Obviously, we'd seen a ton of video and Marco Patti, our head of international operations, had seen him in person a bunch of times. But the first time that uh, both Kenny and I got a chance to see him was down in the Dominican at a workout. And he came in from like the left field corner, walking in from the clubhouse. And I turned to Kenny and I said, you know, expletive, the uh, the uh, Under Armour mannequin is coming to take BP, it looks like. I mean, it was just this this chiseled specimen that was nor more associated with someone you'd see, you know, maybe playing corner or outside edge, like you said, in the SEC than playing baseball. And then uh, he proceeded to continue to light us up with the show we put on that afternoon, and uh, the, the rest is history, as they say. You guys have done an incredible job in the Cuban market, from Jose Abreu to Luis Robert. You acquired Moncada. Do you anticipate as you start to have to now think about taking that next step. And as you said to me when you were on a month ago with me, look, we haven't accomplished anything. We haven't been over 500 since 2012. I love where we're at. I think we're on the come, but we haven't accomplished anything. But as you do that, to take that next step, you trade away assets. Can you be as aggressive knowing your guys are going to get more expensive trying to sign guys away from Cuba? 
Well, look, we we obviously have a long history of success there, and it goes back it goes back to many. It's continued with Contreras, who who happens to be in camp walking around with us and, and spending time with our young players. To Duque, uh, obviously Alexei Ramirez, much less the guys we have in, in uniform today. So we do we are a brand name there. I do think that uh, there certainly is a comfort level on both sides of the equation in terms of uh, us feeling good about being able to unlock and, and maximize the potential of young Cuban immigrants. Uh, and I think there's comfort on their side in terms of signing with the White Sox. We're a known entity with a, with a history of success and a, a welcoming environment uh, to allow them to, to achieve at this level, despite all the challenges that come with, with changing countries and, and playing at the highest level. So I can continue to see us to be aggressive in that realm. Obviously, the rules have changed since we, we signed Luis, and, and there are sort of spending limits that we have to be cognizant of, which limit some of the things that any club can do internationally. But, uh, you know, when all things being equal, when there's a talented Cuban player that, you know, we're bidding against another club for, uh, assuming our resources are equal, we, we feel pretty good about being able to convert on that player. So I got a tweet from one of your fine fans, and he asked, please, please ask Rick to give us his scouting report and timeline on Nick Madrigal, because this guy's not just some guy who's in camp. He was the third overall pick, and I really think from people I've talked to, he has a chance to become one of the faces of your team. He does, and I think if you look at Andrew Vaughn, who was our fourth, fourth pick in the country last year, he's obviously made a statement this this spring as well. Uh, both those guys are are just pure, pure hitters. Uh, you know, with Nicky, there's also plus defense up the middle, which makes it appealing and an element of speed and, and baseball acumen that makes him a, a very well-rounded baseball player. Uh, we obviously love him. We love the makeup. We love the ability. We love how he potentially fits uh, in this lineup for a long time. When that starts, we're still in the process of assessing. You know, he uh, we did make the decision at the end of last season that for a handful of reasons, he wasn't quite ready. Uh, at the big league level. But as we told Nick, you know, the certain things we wanted to see him work on with regards to a swing in particular over the course of the offseason, and we wanted to see where he was over the course of this camp. We all we all came in with an open mind and fresh eyes and see uh, can Nicky force his way onto this club. We certainly expect him to uh, spend the bulk, if not all, of this summer uh, in Chicago helping us win ballgames at the, at the big league level. There have been moments, I'm sure, when you decided to go down the path of trading Chris Sale, trading Quintana, uh, you know, taking a step back. That's just a fact of what happens when you trade away great players like that, that you had to be in a cold sweat going, dear God, I hope this works. I hope this works. (laughs) Now to look out on that field and see what you saw and mention that there's no Encarnacion yet, there's no Yasmani Grandal yet, and... We're here early. It's March. How do you feel looking at what you've accomplished so far? You know, it hasn't changed too much. I think you summarized it real well in terms of our conversation a month ago. We are really pleased with where we are in this process. You know, we're entering the fourth year of this rebuild, and we know that we've moved on to that second stage. We're we're done with sort of the, for lack of a better description, this sort of asset accumulation mode. Uh, We've seen this young core starting to come together, and we know there's more guys 
behind them. The, the, the stage we're waiting for, the stage where we can feel satisfied when we feel like we've accomplished something is that third stage where we're ready to win, where we're winning championships, where we're contending for championships on an annual basis. This second stage, this sort of growth stage from transitioning from a team that's sort of accumulating young players to one that's able to win a championship, we're going to find out together how long that one takes. Hopefully it's a very short period of time. I know there's a great deal of optimism and enthusiasm in the clubhouse in terms of us being ready this year. And if that's the way things played out this summer, we're going to be thrilled. But again, this has always been about putting us in a position for the long term. And while we feel real good about being on the cusp of that, until we're, you know, winning a championship and then contending for them annually, we're not going to feel like we've accomplished our goals. We're talking to Rick Hahn, Executive VP General Manager of the Chicago White Sox. So we've had this you know, Houston Astros thing that we asked Brandon Morrow this morning when we had him on, and he said they haven't heard the end of it. He said everywhere you go, whether it was Anthony Rizzo on TV the other day going, hey, somebody banged for me, I don't know what pitch is coming in, <laughs> to Trevor Bauer standing up on the mound going, it's a fastball, you don't need to cheat, I'll tell you what the pitch <laughs> Like, this is going to happen every day. How do you, because you're not in the dugout, you're not in the clubhouse, many times you may not even be at the game because you're either home or out scouting, how do you hold your players accountable knowing if they do something, it falls at your feet because you're the boss? Well, I think that that message has been very clearly delivered throughout baseball. And, and, and you, you know, you're right in that if you're not down there, if you're not in the heat of battle, you can't be 100% certain exactly what's going on on a nightly basis. That said, Ricky and the coaches have their fingers on the pulse of this team. The players have certainly heard and seen the, the ramifications of, uh, of the actions that other clubs have undertaken. And you're just confident in terms of the the character and the intentions of the the players in uniform that that's not going to continue or occur on our watch. You know, we've had uh, conversations, as have all 30 clubs, with their with their team uh, over the course of this spring about you know what the expectations are for them going forward and and how what won't be tolerated. I don't think it's uh, it necessarily needs to be said because of the group we have down there and the, and the high level of integrity of the guys we have in that clubhouse, but you're still going to say it just to be just to be sure that everyone's on the same page and, and that when we win uh, around here, it's going to be because we did it the right way, not because of some sort of unfair advantage. Rick, the thing that scares probably the wrong word, the thing that you, at the end of the year, if we get together again and we always have you on and we always love it, if the season ends and you didn't win a World Series, you'll look back and go, that was the thing in March that actually concerned me. Is it your defense? Is it too much youth? Is it depth? Or is there really, there's nothing that concerns me, we just have to take the next step. No, it's depth. It's absolutely depth. We, we talked about all along that sort of the final stage of, of this rebuild process was going to be one where we were able to be internally insulated against injury or underperformance. And as you look at that, you know, our first layer right now, it's, it's high quality. And, and if everyone stays healthy and everyone does what they're supposed to do, we're going to be awfully good. We realize that. But as you know, the thing that keeps me up or the things that would concern me is that we haven't quite gotten completed with the sort of that last step of the rebuild, which is having enough depth. I think a year from now, 
certainly from a starting pitching standpoint, when, you know, knock on wood, you're adding, you know, Michael Kopech and Carlos Rodon and Dane Dunning and Jimmy Lambert and Jonathan Stever and whomever else rises to the occasion to that group that we have at the big league level then you start feeling pretty good about that being insulated from a starting pitching standpoint. We certainly have a ton of uh, high-quality reliever prospects, You know, some of whom you saw yesterday, like a Cody Hoyer, for example, uh, who are coming quick to provide us some insulation there. And from an outfield standpoint, we have a lot of quality outfield prospects sort of at that double-A level, but they're not quite there in terms of providing us with insulation in Chicago for, for 2020. So that's, that's sort of the last step. And I, and I feel like as we talk uh, a year from now, knock on wood again, but we should have that insulation in place to, to withstand, you know, whatever the baseball gods have in, have in store for us. But that, in all candor, is the, is the thing that would worry me most this season, and that's uh, where our depth is if, if we have to uh, go through some hardship. The interesting thing at the deadline is if Rick Hahn wakes up at July 1st and you are three games up, a game back, like you're right there, and mm-hmm. you have a really good season going, and you go, wow, I can get that address, but the price is crazy because people will see you coming and go, okay, I'll take Madrigal, I'll take Vaughn, I'll take this guy, I'll take that guy. How do you resist or how do you know, all right, it's time to put the accelerator down. The Cubs did it with Chapman. Glaber Torres is going to be a great player for a long time. But they won the ring. How do you know when to put the accelerator down and when to go, no, nah, I can't do that? No, it's a great question. And unfortunately, it's a little bit more art than science in that you have to have a feel for the, how realistic it is that your team is truly in a position of, of winning a championship this year. Obviously, the Cubs had a fantastic team going that year, uh, and that back end of the bullpen piece was kind of the one thing that was potentially missing. And it made all the sense in the world to push the foot on the accelerator and go get Chapman despite the cost at that time. For us, we'll have to see if we're truly in that position come July. At, at the same time, again, this isn't about jumping up once. This isn't about you know having one great magical summer and then regressing back and not being able to contend again. So if you're talking about you know you mentioned giving up a Madrigal or giving up a Vaughn, uh, it's going to be real tough to do that for a rental come this summer because we think those are two real important pieces to making this a you know a five six seven year run, which is what we're what's the goal is and what we're shooting for. Now again, let's let's see where we're at in July. Let's make an assessment about how realistic it is for us to win a championship in 2020, and then assess the costs of doing that, and and we'll make a decision. But fundamentally, we've we've you know White Sox fans as a whole, not to mention you know the people in uniform and the people in this building. You know, we've gone through some suffering here over the last few years, and to make yep. that suffering worthwhile, the goal we got to reach our goal, and that is doing this annually, not just doing this once. Hey, man, really appreciate you taking time. We had a great time watching your team, and uh, again, as you said, we have to take the next step. But you looks really good, and it's a really fun team to watch. Nah, I appreciate it, Cap. Thanks for having me, man. You bet. Talk to you soon. There he is, Rick Hahn, Executive VP, General Manager of the Chicago White Sox.